This wasn't necessarily a lot of time, but I was in solitude, and it was at sea. When I was 23, I was a dockhand for a boat rental club. I bought myself a 27-feet Catalina sailboat and lived on it at the docks for about a year while I worked for the boat club. I would often get toasted on 101-proof peppermint schnapps and go joy sailing late at night on the Chesapeake Bay for kicks. My main sail tears and my atomic four-engine breaks down. I drift out of the channel, drop anchor, plug in my backup batteries for power for my anchor light, and bed down in my forward berth to wait until morning for one of my co-workers to tow me back in. I'm about a mile offshore, well out of the channel in about 60 feet of open water, when I hear a rhythmic thudding on my hull beneath me. It was like someone was doing a semi-fast snare roll with closed fists against my hull. There was nothing in my head that I could figure could make that noise happen besides someone diving under by boat and literally beating on it. I went topside with my flashlight to investigate and couldn't see anything out of the ordinary, and the sound continued on and off for about 15 minutes, then stopped. It was a calm night with nearly no wind or waves at this point, and I visually couldn't see what could have been making the noise. It came from midship, so it couldn't be the motor being weird or something, and I checked my bilges for any anomalies and couldn't find any. It left me pretty shaken up because I just couldn't figure what could make that sound as loudly and as precisely as it was. I could feel the bumps hitting against the fiberglass hull. I eventually got back to sleep and made it back to the docks next morning. I dove on my boat that day to check for anything amiss and didn't find anything off. Needless to say, that was the last time I went out alone at night. A few years ago, I was traveling in northern India with my girlfriend at the time. Being young and stupid, we decided to hike up a nearby mountain without really doing any research on the area or how long it would take. It was an amazing hike. We met locals along the way who gave us chai tea, climbed up through thick misty cloud forest, and were even joined by a friendly stray dog who traveled with us until we reached the top, which was like a kind of grassy plateau. There were a few other tourists spaced out in tents, some other cute stray dogs classic India, and a local guy who was serving food. Now, Thank F for this local guy because we didn't have a tent, and it was dark we foolishly thought we could hike back in the same day. Anyway, we borrow this guy's spare tent. It was a one-person tent, so super tight for two and make camp 30M away from everyone to have privacy. We were asleep for maybe an hour, then suddenly awoke to this really low, deep growl right at my face. It was a stray dog outside the tent. Then more growls at our feet we were surrounded by these strays that only hours before we were playing with happily. Every single noise or slight movement we made in this tiny tent would be met with deafening barking, more growling, and you could see faint shadows through the fabric. Some of the dogs were even leaning against the tent, testing it. I punched a few through the fabric to scare them, but nothing worked. We ended up not saying a word, my girlfriend was crying silently, holding our breath for fear of provoking them, and staying perfectly still the whole night. It was terrifying we knew we would be killed by them. When the sun came up, 
We couldn't hear anything. After listening for ages, I manned up and took a peek outside the tent, no dogs to be seen. I crawled out on my hands and knees and suddenly a dog came running up to my face and started licking me. It was friendly as it was yesterday. I walked up to the local guy who gave us the tent to tell him what a mess night we had and these dogs are crazy. He goes and I'll never forget his face. Oh, they were protecting you. There are snow leopards and sloth bears up here that have been known to kill locals every now and then. I went back to the tent and sure enough, there amongst the dog paw prints were what looked like something much bigger. By far the most scared I've ever been in my life. When I was around 14 or 15, I went with my cousin and brother to go check out some land my cousin's friend's family bought to fish on. The land was a good few acres and located right next to their very large suburban neighborhood in Georgia. All you had to do was pull onto a curb in the neighborhood and take a small dirt path across a lake, and after a small turn, the path ran about a mile in a straight line down the middle of the property to a larger lake. When we went, we took a golf cart since nobody wanted to walk and pulled onto the property. After taking the small left turn onto the main path, we all just froze. Walking towards us at the opposite end of the path, there was a man with a jacket and ski mask on. We all saw him. He wasn't holding anything, he wasn't running, and he wasn't speaking. We stopped the golf cart, but we couldn't turn around on the path since it was so thin and there was foliage to both sides of us. The person was still at least half a mile down the path, just walking, but we were all still terrified. Also, it didn't help that the oldest in our group was 16 and the driver was 12. Despite being young, however, my cousin put the golf cart into reverse, which makes the loudest high-pitch whine ever, and reversed the entire quarter-mile pedal to the metal, which is still pathetically slow in an electric golf cart. When we told his parents, all of the adults came out with us and looked all over, as well as set up two plot watchers they had to see if they spotted anything. There was nothing on the cameras, and they have still never seen anyone in those woods since then despite hunting there all the time. I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s. I spent a lot of time outside, and I loved all animals, including bugs, frogs, and lizards, etc. My little brother played a lot of sports, so on weekends, I was always dragged to his games, and after school, I often had to attend his practices. It was soccer season, and I had to go with my mom to one of my brother's soccer practices after school on this day. I was probably F8 or 9 at the time. It was at a local park surrounded by some wilderness and some hiking trails. I liked this park because off to the side of the soccer fields was a creek with frogs and stuff. I'd love to go over there and look at them and try to catch them, etc. It was evening time and the sun was setting, but there was still plenty of light left. I told my mom I was gonna go down to the creek to catch frogs. It was down the hill slightly from the fields and obscured by some bushes and shrubs but there was a clear dirt trail that ran alongside the creek. So I scurried on down there and was carefully studying the creek looking for frogs. When suddenly a man's voice startles me, what you looking for? 
I look up and see a middle-aged man dressed in typical office, business wear button-up shirt, slacks, dress shoes. He was standing on the trail, blocking my route back up to the soccer fields, looking at me and smiling. I was a shy and cautious child, so I just looked at the man and didn't reply at first. My spidey senses were already tingling, and I remember feeling nervous and uneasy. I sometimes saw hikers on the trail by the creek, but his outfit and appearance told me this wasn't a hiker. He then asked me, Are you looking for butterflies? I saw some down there. As he points further down the trail away from the soccer fields, I just said no and started looking around at what my options were. I felt the need to get out of there fast. But as I mentioned, he was standing on the trail, which was my route back to the fields. There were thick bushes on the hillside between the trail and where the fields were. I started making my way up the rocks to the side of the creek towards the trail further down from where he stood, and to my alarm, he started moving down the trail toward me. Need some help, he said. I was now starting to panic, although nothing had happened, and he seemed friendly, it just felt wrong to me. I just got stranger danger vibes. I remember feeling a burst of adrenaline and fear. I shouted no and booked it up the rocks, across the trail, and crashed my way through the bushes towards the soccer fields. I remember the branches scratching me, but I didn't care. I literally scrambled my way through them till I came up to the fields and then sprinted over to where my, my mom was watching my brother's practice. I probably looked like hell, so she of course asked what the heck happened, and I told her. I felt like she thought I was just being paranoid, though. I'll never know if this guy posed a real threat or not. He could have been just getting some fresh air on his way home from work, who knows. I just know it felt creepy at the time. I live in North Texas near a large wildlife refuge and a lake bigger than my hometown. One night I had a fantastic idea to go down the long gravel road to the dock with a female friend of mine. I'm from Texas, so I usually carry, but opted to leave my gun locked in the glove box by the gate. About 30 yards into the trek, the road was about 200 yards to the dock, I hear an unnerving noise on my left. It was as if the earth itself growled and rumbled at me. I looked around frantically, trying to pinpoint the sound. Nothing. We stood still, waiting for it to resume. Instead, we hear just heavy footsteps, not crashing or rustling like a bear or a pig does, but heavy pacing. I turned to my friend and asked if she wants to go back. She didn't know, but wanted to get out of there. So we keep on our journey to the dock with the unnatural growling, rumbling following us, coupled with the heavy paces. I'm terrified by this point, instinctively reaching for my right hip to find a blank space where a holster should be. I had left my pistol locked in the glove box. I grab my pocket knife and palm it aggressively. The rumbling continues, almost impacting the air with its weight. We hasten our pace and it matches ours, but never coming out of the woods to show itself. This continues for about 300 yards. The entire time I am absolutely terrified. I've been hunting and camping since I was six, and I've never heard a sound like this one, or even had an experience similar. 
Finally, arriving to the dock, she sprints out to the edge, and I grab a handful of rocks and go sit beside her. For the next 15 minutes, it circles the area around the dock landing, emanating the rumbles and growls. Nothing we can do, it's dark, I have no firearm, and we can't see it. I call my buddy Dennis, who lives five minutes away. The rumbling and pacing continues, roughly 30 to 40 yards away from us, but it doesn't step foot on the dock. Finally, I see headlights come up over the trees and the rumbling fades into darkness. Dennis comes walking down, cradling a rifle, and that was the end of that. Really freaked me out for a couple of months. I'm a believer in cryptozoology now. I don't know if Bigfoot exists, but something does that may be similar, especially considering most cultures have their monster. To begin, I'll admit that we were hiking, not hunting. I was with my brother-in-law. In the Appalachians, it's usually snowy in December, but that year it was a constant 40 female or so, and too foggy to see very well. We made our way into a dense rainforest area and found what looked like an extremely overgrown, rarely trodden erosion forming a path. This didn't make sense. It was on the back of an inconvenient mountain peak very craggy, and not on the way to anywhere, not even another trail. So we followed it. The deciduous canopy lay rotting on the winter ground, but little sunlight broke through anyway due to the deep fog and mountain shadow. It felt haunted. We descended into a hollow with a small creek at the bottom and rounded a bend into a dense clump of rhododendron. Inside this rhododendron brush, we started to see weird things like decaying rope, rusted metal, paracord, and supplies. Then the trail ended. Between two oak trees that formed a window through the brush, we could see a rusted body of metal with face-sized holes of glass on the sides. We made out the shape of a small plane from the scattered pieces. The body was only in two pieces, but the wings were unrecognizable. There was a bit of graffiti on the plane, but not as much as you would expect. It had clearly been there for a while, but some of the original gear was still in the body. I wrote down the number on the side for reference. When I got home, I googled the plane number and found a result. Accident Report, March 1977, Western North Carolina. Damaged beyond repair. One passenger. One fatality. Body recovered. Plane unsalvageable. We found the plane in 2016. That wreckage had been left to rot for 39 years, and some of the gear still had not been stolen. I know it was only one death, but that place had a deeply unsettling aura. I am not superstitious. I do not believe in ghosts, but there was something strange about that place, and I won't forget it. I didn't crawl into the plane's body, both out of fear and because I wanted to be respectful to whoever died there, but I did take pictures of it all from the outside. To give you some context, in 2021 I got my first job as an order picker in a food processing company. Being a very unsocial person, I managed to negotiate with my boss to work with the small night shift 10pm to 6am. It's quite ridiculous because there's nothing good about being an order picker when you compare it with other jobs, but for me it was heaven, 
I could work on my own without having to interact with other people. One evening, my father dropped me off in front of the company at 9 p.m. and left. He couldn't take me any later because he was too tired to drive any later that night. So I sit down on the ground next to the building and start lighting up a cigarette and hanging out on my phone. A few minutes later, a man emerges from the darkness, well-dressed and well-groomed and carrying a rucksack. He walks over to sit on the ground next to me. At the time, he looked like an ordinary employee, so I thought he must have forgotten a file and come back to get it. But the strange thing was that the building was still open, so the man could have gone straight in to get his papers. When I remembered, I was really scared and wondered what this man wanted and why he was sitting so close to me. Being paranoid by nature, I imagined all sorts of creepy things he could do to attack me. But fortunately, he didn't do anything. He just sat there and didn't move an inch, as if he'd become a statue. After several minutes of silence during which I stressed, and he did literally nothing, it was 9.50 p.m. So I entered the building, and the man did the same. I was even more worried, but then I remembered that the building had security cameras, and that reassured me after all. Why would he attack me in the building which is secured by cameras when outside there were none? I made my way to the changing rooms to change into my prep outfit and saw that he'd taken a different one that led to the offices. This reassured me a little, as it confirmed my theory that he was just an employee. Throughout my evening at work, I thought about this man and couldn't stop wondering why he had waited on the floor with me. One of the most likely scenarios I thought of was that he probably thought the door was closed and that I was waiting to be let in and that by instinct he just sat down and waited with me without saying anything. For most of my shift, I was alone in my area and continued to work, except that at one point I heard a man coughing and turning around I saw him. The man stood there, straight as an eye, staring at me. When I noticed he was staring at me, I jumped up and asked, Can I help you? But the man said nothing and continued to stare at me blankly. After about two minutes, which seemed like hours, he walked towards me. My instincts were screaming at me to run away from this man, but I couldn't, I was stunned, and when he was less than two meters away, he put his hand in his pocket. I thought he was going to pull out a knife or something and stab me, but instead he pulled out a pack of cigarettes, still intact, handed them to me and walked out. It was the same brand as the one I'd been smoking, but it didn't belong to me, for the simple reason that I buy my cigarette packs individually, and once this one is empty, I go and buy another, but I never buy several packs at the same time. What's more, he could never have known what brand it was, since I didn't take my pack out in front of him. After that, I never saw him again. I moved to another area that evening to talk to other colleagues, but they were dubious about my story. I also tried to tell my superiors, but they didn't believe me either, because you need an access card to enter the building and, according to them, if this stranger was able to get in, he probably had one. The problem was that I was the one who opened the door, and the man simply walked through before it closed. Nevertheless, I continued to work there until the end of my contract, but I still don't know who this man is or what he wanted from me. Why did he sit so still next to me that night? 
Why did he follow me into an employee area? Why did he watch me for so long without saying a word? And why did he give me that unopened pack of cigarettes? My dad spent years at sea and has many stories from his time on tanker ships as an engineer. One time the ship was being slowed down by something they couldn't explain mechanically fine. Turns out they had a large dead whale wrapped around the bow of the ship slowing them down. But the creepiest story was a simple one. The crew was shark fishing off the bank of a smaller tanker ship basically attaching meat chunks to hooks and throwing them off the back to trawl in the ocean southeast of Sea Australia area. My dad, for fun, made up this large steel alloy, described it as being incredibly durable hook to use. They attach a large chunk of meat to it and throw it off the back. A while later, they haul it back in, only to find the meat is gone and the hook is bent completely straight. There was nothing it could have snagged on in the deep ocean as the boat was driving through. My dad and the crew were sufficiently unnerved to think that something large down there could bend a large hook like that. I was recently working near a river in the British Columbia wilderness when about 20 meters from me and my co-worker, we heard loud footsteps crashing through the trees. My co-worker yelled out. Nothing, the footsteps continued, but after he yelled out a second time, the footsteps stopped, and then things went completely silent. There was other people in the vicinity throughout the week, but to our knowledge, nobody there that day. I grew up hunting, and I am very familiar with the fauna of Western Canada. It sounded like a bull or cow moose or elk, perhaps a sizable buck. But to my knowledge, they don't have the smarts to actively hide from humans when they are yelled at. Same with bears. Mountain lions, however, do. But I don't believe one would ever be so loud and clumsy sounding. WTF was in the woods. I'm not above thinking it was perhaps a Bigfoot. Or was it a sinister person? I worked at a dog sledding company in northern Ontario this past winter. Our building was about a kilometer from the dog kennels. I know very well the routine barking and howling you mentioned. Our dogs about 35 would do it usually twice a night. To other people it sounds aggressive, but when you know the dogs and their barking it sounds fine. I have never liked being outside at night and my housemates liked to have a fire most nights about 50 feet from the building. One night I was sitting in the common area reading, about 11 p.m. Suddenly they came bursting into the house yelling. I could hear the dogs barking and over my friends yelling in panic, I could hear something wasn't right with the dogs. The barks were shrieking and short, something was happening. Occasionally a dog would get out and pick a fight with another dog, that's what it sounded like. The aggressive growl barking. I stayed at the building while the others piled into the cub cadet to go break up the fight. They came back ten minutes later, white as ghosts. A wolf had gotten in and a few of the dogs in one kennel had torn the fencing down and attacked it. Wolf was on the ground dying. Four of our dogs were laying around the kennel in pieces, two more dying. 
They shot the two dogs and Wolf and were coming back to take a few minutes before picking up the pieces. The rest of the pack may still have been around, because it's unlikely one wolf killed six dogs by itself. I don't work there anymore. Way too intense for me. Last night I left to go home from a camping trip in Arizona. And let me tell y'all, something scared the shit out of me. I was driving back home to Kali from the forest in Forest Lakes, Arizona with my boyfriend in the car. Suddenly we see a huge dog-looking creature with white and brown on it. It was running in and out of the trees on our left side. My boyfriend and I try to slow down to see what the heck it was. But all of a sudden, when I barely can get a glimpse, it started sprinting at my car on my side. Mind you, I had the windows down, it was a cool night. But I shit you not, I freaking didn't hesitate to hit that gas pedal and GTFO there. I didn't care to look back or anything. I had that gut feeling and wanted out. But yeah, weird situation. Does anyone know what I might have seen? I know what a dog looks like in animals, but this thing gave me a whole different vibe. Just today I found a trail cam facing a daycare on one of the properties I manage. I cut it out of the tree. It's pretty creepy because the SD card is full of pictures from December 30, 2017 to Jan 1, 2018. So in three days the entire thing got full and no one came back for it for over a year now. There's no pictures of anyone setting it up. There's several pictures of cars driving by and an occasional picture of someone entering or exiting the building. But you can't make out any faces or license plates and again, no images of anyone setting it up or walking near it at all. Me and my co-workers came up with a few theories, first and easiest is a pervert. He got locked up for something else, and that's why the SD card hasn't been cleared of data in over a year. Second is a police investigator or fraud investigator, because the camera is facing the front door and the handicapped parking spots. Was someone claiming disability and handicap when they really weren't, and the camera was put there to catch them walking with ease? Still doesn't explain why the trail cam would still be there, though. Last is a jealous or suspicious lover spying on someone. Did they see what they needed and kill themselves? Did they kill the other person and get locked up? Maybe they had multiple trail cams and got the info they needed off a different one. Very creepy to me, though. I don't really believe in any cryptids, though the idea of them is fun, except for Mothman. Around the time of these sightings in mid-fall 2017, I lived in a small town in southeast Michigan, Oakland County, and was attending high school. My older sister, who was nine years my senior and had a similarly timed work schedule, drove me to school extra early every morning so I could attend an extra hour and fit another class into my schedule. It was awful and started at 6 a.m., but we only lived about 15 minutes from my school, so it wasn't all that bad of a drive. One morning we were making our way to the school as per usual through some super curvy wooded back roads by our house, a route we took every day. Suddenly, in a break between the section of road we were on, 
Just between the third curve and the last curve before the road straightened out, I noticed two glowing red spots about maybe 600-800 feet in the distance. At first, I brushed it off as the area was known for deer and the spacing for eyes wasn't too far off, but I couldn't shake the wrong feeling I had. The eyes just weren't the right color to be reflecting deer eyes, and as we neared closer, it became apparent to me that if these indeed were eyes. The figure was far too tall to be any type of animal I could think of. It was still really dark out so I was only able to make out the eyes in a dark black silhouette before. As our headlights were finally near enough to begin illuminating the figure it took off into the sky like a literal bat out of hell. It moved incredibly fast, and before it took off the dark silhouette expanded significantly in a manner that was incredibly similar to how birds use their wings to take off. Before I could hardly register what had just happened it disappeared over the tree line and out of sight. At first I was worried I was seeing things however as I looked over at my sister. I was met with a mirror of my same shocked expression. She asked incredulously if I had just seen that too, and we began conferring about what we just saw. I was relieved to hear that I wasn't going crazy as she described the same things I had also just seen. I still think about that morning to this day, and was surprised when a couple of years after it, I came across your articles and reports. A lot of the sightings and encounters you compiled dated around the same time. I saw what, I believe more and more every year, had to be Mothman. I've been going through this for a long time. I'm 28 and feeling frustrated, lost, and ready to die. Recently, I had an encounter with a person entity that made me realize I'm not crazy. It's important to be careful about what you believe because childhood stories can turn out to be real. These entities are present all the time, often unnoticed. They appear as flickers of light, similar to the sparks when you hold your breath or get hit hard. Their intelligence in observing us is a mistake on their part. It all started when I was a child, always curious and seeking to understand how everything worked. I had knowledge beyond my years, even though I didn't fully comprehend it. The adults knew I was different. They control everything and were caught in the middle of their game. Demons, ghosts, fairies, trolls, Nephilim, and even aliens are real. I've seen more than my fair share of them. I'm dead serious about this, and if you put me on a lie detector, you would know. When I was eight, I discovered a circle mark on my stomach. Months later, I developed a sixth sense, predicting when things would go wrong. I could also sense the emotions of both humans and animals. At the age of 13, I witnessed shadows moving at the end of my bed, and I would become paralyzed with fear. When I woke up, I had a brand on my right hand. At 16, the shadows appeared again, and I woke up with a brand on my chest. This mark stayed with me until I was 18. At 20, my gift of sensing emotions became overwhelming, making it hard for me to go anywhere without having an anxiety attack. At 22, a deep, beautiful voice spoke to me, telling me to search for the golden compass using a golden seal. I couldn't come up with something like that on my own, and I couldn't find any information about it. When I turned 23, I experienced the touch of death when something grabbed my shoulder, 
leaving me frozen with fear. On July 9th, at the age of 23, I had a terrible feeling that something horrible was about to happen. The next day, my fiancé died in a car accident, drowning upside down in a pool. Since then, the entities that visit me at night have become hostile, trying to paralyze me, but I won't let them. I fought against one of them recently and was able to break free. Now at 28, I'm ready to ask for help. People like me with unique abilities are seen as threats by these entities. They have their own plan, and we need to figure out which side we're on. So in the end of August, this guy I was talking to now boyfriend, 43 male. He wears a size 12 shoe, important later, and I 21 female went fishing. We went to one of our normal spots, a spillway type deal coming off a mountain tucked into a small bowl-like valley. There's a really nice little pool there, so we go fishing and it's like 10 p.m. We had seriously just gotten there and set up when a giant rock came flying through the air into the middle of the pool. We hollered out, hey, we're fishing down here, sorry for disturbing your camping, but we're done setting up and just want a quiet night. We'll be respectful if you will. A second later, another rock came flying through the air and landed two feet from me. We decided to go investigate who is chucking rocks at us. I go and shut off our side-by-side side so there's no lights. We go up to where the rocks seemed to be coming from and didn't see anyone or any footprints. We go back down to our little hole, and I feel someone watching me from each side of the valley. I was starting to freak out, but not going to say anything because I'm a big tough girl. I'm not, but I didn't want to seem like a wimp. Another rock comes flying down into the pool. I clean up my stuff and go to my boyfriend and say I'm leaving with or without you. He agrees to leave and we pack up. I tell him I felt like we were being watched from both sides and he agrees. Well, he was pissed so he goes back to check out where we were the next day. He found where the person was camping and had a stockpile of large rocks to throw at us. Whoever it was dug out a hole to sleep in, and my boyfriend found footprints that made his feet look tiny, probably a size 15, and where they were camped they had a perfect line of sight to us. The crazy thing is we walked right below him and were six feet from him. We never saw him even with our headlamps on, and I kept looking in his direction. I do have the pics he sent me, but he has an old phone and won't let me get him one with a better camera. My old man would take my brothers and I hunting out of this little cabin in Colorado. The cabin is way isolated, and I mean this place is a good 30 to 40 miles from the nearest town, and that itself is only a handful of people nestled right in the middle of Nowhereville, USA. To get there, you have to go over a mountain pass and take a ton of old dirt roads, but in the end, it's worth it. The hunting is great, the sights are unforgettable, and you are completely isolated. One year my brother, who I'll call Carl, and I decide to play a little prank on our youngest brother, Lou. We have a habit of telling scary stories, and this only increases when we go camping and hunting, because that's just one of the things you do out in the middle of the woods. Carl and I finish telling Lou a particularly frightening tale, and like the loving brothers we are, 
we start egging him on about all the creepy shit that's probably lurking outside the cabin as we speak. Lou is getting way into it and begins to freak out and our dad has enough of mine and Carl's antics and sends us out to get more firewood. While we're out there, Carl and I devise an even greater prank that'll surely scar our baby brother for life. So like the idiots we are, we start making all these howling noises. Now we're a good 50 yards from the cabin at this point and Carl and I are lying in wait for our little brother to come investigate where we went since that's something our dad would make him do. Sure enough, Lou comes out with a high beam light and starts scanning the area from the doorway to see where we are. Now Lou hates coyotes and we continue to make howling and growling noises while he searches for us. And from what we can see of him, the kid is petrified on the spot as he looks for us. As soon as he passed Carl and I with a light, we jumped out of the darkness and snarled and ran at him on all fours, scaring the living hell out of our little bro. Mission accomplished. Next thing Carl and I know, our dad is in the doorway and boy, our old pops is fuming at this point. He grabs the light Lou had dropped and turns it on us as we're making our way back. I turned to Carl and told him it was nice knowing him, but before our dad goes full Jack Torrance from the shining on our asses, something changed in the way my dad was standing. I visibly saw his silhouette sag in the doorway as he looked out into the night, and suddenly he's telling us to get in the cabin as fast as we can. I didn't hear anger in his voice at all. I just remember the fear in his words as he started yelling, Boys, don't turn around. Just get back to the cabin now. Now, now. Carl and I barely made it through the door before our dad slammed it shut and managed to lock it with his shaking hands. He made it to his chair and sat down before facing us and said with the straightest face, Stop scaring your brother. Turns out they planned the whole thing when we went out for firewood. 